Welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman, a podcast loaded with practical tips, powerful scripts, personal stories, and simple steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. So get ready to get the information you need to make the impact you want from someone you trust, your friend, parenting expert, Dr. Robin Silverman. Hello and welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything, where we give you the tips, scripts, stories, and steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. I'm so honored to be your host, Dr. Robin Silverman, Child and Teen Development Specialist, author and speaker, and most importantly, parent of two great kids who give me the opportunity to love, learn, and grow every single day, whether I want to or not. Believe me, I get it. It's not always easy, but we're in this together, and thankfully, we have a lot of people helping us along the way. Now, I want you to imagine that you have your kids in the same room. You are trying to get something done because, well, you're a parent or teacher or coach or someone who has tasks to do to keep life going in the right direction. You start to hear whining, some raised voices, and then a play-by-play. Ben is touching me! Emma took my whatever she took! Sarah made a meat face! Petitions! I want to turn! Stop making that annoying noise! Just leave me alone! And then wait for it. Mom! Dad! Or whatever your name is that the kids call you. Has this ever happened to you? Perhaps you've seen it happen to the families you work with and you can feel the stress envelop the parents and the kids and everybody around them. Sibling rivalry is typically the unwanted gremlin that can spoil even the most enjoyable moments within families. So what are we to do? Punish, reward, break up the fight, time out? And what should we advise our kids to do when their sibling is driving them crazy? My next guest says, in no uncertain terms, when it comes to annoying behaviors, we must ignore it. And we are going to find out why and how and exactly what to do the next time you find yourself in the midst of a sibling argument. I know, if your kids are anything like mine, it probably won't be too long. Catherine Perlman is the founder of The Family Coach and the author of Ignore It, How Selectively Looking the Other Way Can Decrease Behavioral Problems and Increase Parenting Satisfaction. Catherine writes the nationally syndicated Dear Family Coach column, and her work has appeared in U.S. News, Parent.com, CNN.com, Good Housekeeping, and more. She's a licensed clinical social worker, an assistant professor at Brandman University, and a mom of two kids and a dog. She's a New Yorker living in Southern California. I can't wait to talk to you about this topic because, well... Of course, my children are just perfect all the time and never fight with each other. Yeah, right. Thank you so much for joining us on How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Welcome, Katherine Perlman. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Well, we're thrilled to have you. I have two kids of my own, and they do get on each other's nerves, so I am listening with... Uh, my ears fully open. But before we get into the meat of the matter, I would love for you to tell us, for those who haven't read your book or your articles, can you tell us what gets you up in the morning and how you got so focused on making sure parents use the ignore it system? 
So I started uh, my career working with homeless uh, and at-risk kids, and I made home visits to help teen parents avoid having their kids removed uh, due to abuse and neglect. And I worked with them for years, and everything was great. Um, I worked in nonprofits, children and families, and then years later, I had my own kids. I lived to the, I moved to the suburbs, and what I found is that people around me were having a lot of very similar problems to the teen parents I used to work with in child welfare. Um, and they didn't need therapy, they needed advice. Mm -hmm. They needed someone who could come into their house at the worst time of day and say, here's what you need to do. And so I started the family coach so that I could help people really enjoy their kids more. Like there's certain parts of parenting you cannot avoid. You know, there's like unpleasant things like laundry, making lunches and sick kids. You cannot avoid those things in parenting, but all of the negative behaviors, the whining, complaining and tantruming, the sleepless nights, the not eating the dinner at the table, all of these things we can actually improve and that makes everybody enjoy their time more. So I started a company called The Family Coach where I would go into people's homes and help them with those exact problems I would say, like, what's the worst time of day for you and your family? I would come then, observe, and then give them my recommendations about how I think they could improve things. And it was funny. It didn't matter why the parent called me, like, what the presenting problem was. But there was one piece of advice I was giving to every single parent, and that ended up being ignore it. Um, so they would say, like, what should I do? when my kid gets out of timeout and I would say, ignore it. What should I do if there's whining or complaining or negotiating? Ignore it. You know, what should I do? And always it was ignored. It was just one small piece of a bigger picture, but it turned out that that one small piece had a huge impact on parents, how they felt about their situation with their kids and the kids' behavior almost immediately improved in those areas. And so years later, after, you know, 10 years of doing this practice, I decided to write it all up in the book um, called Ignore It so that parents don't need me to come into their home now. They could just read the book mm -hmm. um, and get the same basic advice. And I mean, my practice is also really practical, very hands-on. I might know the theoretical underpinnings, but for parents, I really try and break things down into very simple, um, practical tips that they can implement right away. That sounds great. And I'm excited to hear about your tips and, and how we can better serve our kids, better we to have a, a more peaceful family. Now, most but not all parents that I speak to tell me that their kids pester and irritate each other. And sometimes this is by accident, but other times this is like by design. Now, I think my son was, you know, picking up my daughter's stuffed animals or books or bracelets. He knows that she doesn't want him touching those things. And when my daughter, strangely, does the exact same thing to my son's stuff, even though she hates it when he does it to hers, that can cause a, a sibling fight right there. So can you tell us why a brother or a sister would annoy the other on purpose? So it's the most simple thing ever because it works. So kids like dogs, like other animals that have been trained um, or used in research, learn extremely quickly how to get what it is that they want. And sometimes what they want is attention. Sometimes it's to get a rise out of a sibling. Um, it could be to get the attention of the parent. Um, but the reason that kids nudge each other and pick on each other and do things that they know absolutely are going to upset their sibling is because it upsets the sibling mm -hmm. um, and because it works. So years ago, I used to give seminars to parents um, uh, on a variety of topics. And once I gave one on sibling rivalry and I had about 20 parents there and we were talking about our own sibling relationships. And I, I try and help parents 
think back to what it was like to be a sibling to better understand how to um, impact their own kids relationships. And this one dad talked about his own family. He grew up in the seventies and uh, there were six kids and there wasn't a lot of attention. They were left on their own a lot. And he used to pick on his younger sister all the time. And inevitably the younger sister would run to the mother. The mother would call the boy in and he would say, why do you do this? You know, it upsets your sister. <laughs> and then all of his goals were accomplished. Number one, he upset the sister, which is what he really wanted to do. The mom was just validating that fact. And number two, look at how he got called to his mother. He got her attention. And sometimes even if it's negative attention, even if there's yelling and screaming and even fighting, physical fighting, kids will do things to get attention or to get a rise out of a sibling or a parent. And so it was amazing. That story it really resonated with me and perfectly explains why kids do this kind of stuff. I mean, even I think back in my own family, my sister was three years older than me, is three years older than me, and she used to call me big uh, words from the dictionary and the famous one was facetious and I would run <laughs> to my mother and say she called me a facetious again um, because it was so easy and it was so fun for my sister and it worked so that's pretty much why they do it they annoy because it works I remember reading in your book that your <laughs> your sister called you facetious and that was really hilarious so thank you for that yeah. <laughs> um, so you tell people to ignore irritating behaviors and like sibling taunting or needling. So let's get specific. How can kids implement ignore it to improve sibling behavior? So there's four really easy steps. But before I talk about it, I want to say that um, I read an interesting study about how there was this one school that implemented an ignore it type program so that kids could stop bullying. Mm -hmm. And what they did is they taught all the kids that if you see bullying, you don't interact with the bully at all. You completely ignore the bully. And what you do is you provide your attention to the victim mm -hmm. and help redirect. And what they found was that the bullying incidents, incidences greatly decreased. Because why bully if there is no effect? And also the bully sees if I'm not getting an attention, I might try another alternative way to get what it is that I want. Mm. And the same thing happens with siblings. And you know when parents do ignore it with kids, it's the same idea. When people see that their actions has no effect, it's boring. Like mm -hmm. there's no point to it. I might as well try something else. And often the something else is something a lot more delightful. Um, so I use the um, sentence, I like relaxed reading to help parents and kids remember what it is that they're supposed to do um, in the four steps. And the first I stands for ignore. So when the behavior starts, there's teasing, nagging, touching, you know, mm -hmm. whatever it is, you simply ignore it. You pretend like it doesn't exist. This is honestly the hardest it's thing. It's so do. hard to do. Yes. It's impossible because we're human beings and our, in, our, um, you know, our normal way of reacting is when someone's yelling at us, we yell back. If somebody's yes. harassing us, we harass them back. Um, but once kids understand that that's actually the whole point, that when we respond, the other gets what they want, they can learn to not react. And I try and say, you know, go to a happy place in your head, take some deep breaths, literally turn your back so you're not trying to make eye contact while ignoring, which is extremely difficult. But so the first step is just to ignore it and pretend like that kid or behavior does not exist. Even if there's a finger nearly touching your face yes. and they're saying, I'm not touching you, I'm not touching you, you literally do nothing. And um, sometimes what happens is the other child is like, wait a minute, this isn't working. And their behavior intensifies. Yes, they like, dial oh, it up. 
<laughs> totally. They're like, this always works and now it's not working. It's actually like a technical term for that. And that's called an extinction burst. And right after that ramping up, the behavior goes away because again, if it usually works and I'm just going to try harder to see if it'll work this time. And when it still doesn't work, I'm going to give it up. So after we ignore, we listen. And that's that for like, and I like relax reading. And we listen to see when the behavior stops because we don't want to, you know, just separate ourselves and stop having a relationship with our siblings um, or our children. We actually still want to be involved with them, but we just want to listen to when the behavior is finished. So sometimes parents will ask me, well, can I go in a separate room or, you know, can I, you know, leave the child alone or tell the kids to separate? Well, the problem is that you can't re-engage when the behavior stops. And that's the really important part. So the first step is ignore then to listen. And then the third step is to re-engage. As soon as the behavior stops, as soon as they stop calling you facetious or that finger comes down or they're not nudging you or annoying you anymore, you say, hey, do you want to play risk? Do you want to go outside on the trampoline? It's time for dinner or whatever it is. You just move on like that whole incident didn't happen. Mm. We can't discuss it because then we're giving attention again to the behavior and they'll just start over again. So we just ignore, listen, re-engage. And then the last step is to repair. And this is not something that always has to happen, but sometimes if there were extreme hurts or there was um, uh, someone's property was destroyed or I had this perfect Lego set and a sibling, you know, trashed it, that's when the repair comes in. We have to fix that. Um, And then you do that and then we move on. But the whole point is to ignore and as quickly as possible, as soon as the behavior stops, to move on. Okay, so in that final step just to reiterate for the repair you were saying before that you really don't want to be discussing it so how do you repair without discussing what happened can you help me clean this up mm-hmm. you know just simply ask for it um or you know you hurt my feelings and um mm-hmm. i just want you to know mm-hmm. and you can't make somebody apologize because that's hollow even if they say i'm sorry but they don't mean it there's really no purpose in that sure. um but you can still express yourself And I would say nine times out of 10, no repair is honestly needed. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really for extreme cases. And that's often when a parent might have to intervene. But up until that point, the kids can do this completely on their own. And it's actually incredibly freeing. And when the kids see I'm ignoring you and you're ramping up your teasing, instead of feeling like worse and this isn't working, it's actually a sign that it is working. And kids can actually feel more powerful, especially especially the younger siblings who often feel very powerless against older siblings or vice versa for annoying younger siblings. You know, it actually gives them a tool and power to resolve the situation. And that feels really good. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that gets on parents' nerves is hearing their children fight and whine at each other. And it's so easy for parents to jump in and say, enough, or put everybody in their rooms or take away whatever they're fighting about. But you say that this is really not the right tactic. So how can parents implement the ignore the ignore it system to sort of assuage sibling rivalry? So in general, I recommend that parents ignore anything that's annoying. Like that could be whining, complaining, and um, nudging, but it can also be siblings whining and, um, you know, uh, back talking to each other or complaining to each other. A lot of times parents can't tolerate it, and so they intervene. And when they intervene, they do a lot of things that 
make the situation reoccur more often. So they're providing attention. They're typically picking sides. Um, they're getting frustrated and angry. And often that can be what the children want because, you know, they're upset about something. They want you to be upset. Um, and it provides reinforcement for that behavior. Like, I want you to get involved. So I'm going to be really obnoxious and annoying. And then you'll get involved. Typically, you'll pick my side and then everything will be great. Um, so um, parents really need to learn to kind of tolerate some of that and give kids a chance to work it out themselves. And very often they do. They usually don't because they're waiting for their parent to step in and resolve it for them. But it's really much better if parents can ignore all of that. Once it gets to a point where it's you know leaning towards a physical mm -hmm. um, confrontation, then parents really do need to get involved and hold everybody accountable. But um, up till then, really ignore it, like, like as if it's not happening. And then... Um, the kid comes to you and says, mom, and then whatever, fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. And you just say, go ahead and resolve it yourselves. And like, like, as if you're not really that interested, mm -hmm. you know, push them back to go solve the problem. And then part of the issue is that parents typically feel like they need to make things fair for their children. Mm -hmm. So they get upset if one always takes advantage of the other, like, yeah. you know, someone told me the other day, you know, the older one always wins out with the best seat on the couch. And the best electronics and the best everything. And they, she really feels badly for the younger one. And I said, the younger one is fine with that. That's sort of like the pecking order. And every time you intervene, it makes the old one even more angry who takes it out even more on the younger one. And you're just perpetuating the same cycle. Sometimes, you know, the one who doesn't get everything learns to compromise, you know, learns to tolerate disappointment. There's a lot, learns to do something else that, um, you know, that might be more constructive or interesting, or they might find another passionate. But parents, when they intervene, they stop that moment from happening because they're so worried about things not being fair. Um, and so I encourage parents to kind of not worry about that. Think about giving each kid what they need when they need it and not worrying about keeping things like an even score all the time um, and to stay out of it. Try as much as you can to ignore it or push it back on the kids. Like, yeah, you guys resolve it yourselves. And then turn away. It is incredibly tough what you're asking. And, and I, I do agree that it works, but it is very tough. And I, I want everybody to know that we yes. understand that it is incredibly <laughs> tough. Um, you know, it's it's funny when we when we talk about it with my daughter and my my son can really drive her nuts sometimes. So, you know, we, we used to say, you know, he's he's got your goat. And then we've, the metaphor just started, you know, expanding to, you know, he's marching your goat down Main Street, he put a funny hat on your goat, he's pointing, you know, he's dancing with your goat, he's, you know, he, just so that she understands, like, he is really having a great time with you getting upset about this. And I know, like, when we say ignore it to kids, they get really frustrated because they really want to do something to make that sibling stop. So that's when it leads to, you know, that child then yelling or hitting or kicking or whining or throwing a tantrum. So beyond saying to them, ignore it, I would imagine that there's some kind of mindset that we need to do or some kind of practice we need to do with them so that when they're in that situation, they can do something. So what can adults and parents do to support their kids even before the situation happens? And then how can they support them 
while the situation is happening. Yeah, it's a great, a great point. First of all, kids have to be on board with why they're ignoring, right? Because they, they, the bottom line is they want the behavior to stop. Yes. Most kids don't just want retribution. They want it to stop and then they would be happy. And so it's important not just to teach kids, you know, ignore, listen, re-engage, repair. It's really important to explain to them why they're ignoring because every time you react you're reinforcing that behavior and any behavior that's reinforced will just be repeated and even little kids like you know six seven eight nine year old kids can understand this like there's a cause and effect and when i react it makes it happen more so i think it's really important to explain even on um you know age appropriate terms the why behind the system and not just explain the system um, and then I think it's really helpful for kids to struggle in that moment, just as it is for adults, is to actually go through what it would look like with a role play with the kid. Mm-hmm. So if their sister or brother is typically um, kicking them under the table or, you know, saying not nice things to them, you might actually take on a role whether, you know, sometimes the kids want to be themselves, but sometimes they want to be the obnoxious brother. <laughs> sure. And you can, you know, you know, that's even more fun. And then they can really let you have it. And as you know, if I'm playing the the kid um, that's getting hurt, I'm going to practice, you know, ignoring it, I'm going to turn my back, I'm going to talk about breathing and happy place in my head and all of these things. And then talk about the listening and help them go through it in a practice scenario. And then when they're comfortable, I would want them to really play themselves. Mm -hmm. So let's really go through it. And I'm going to say some mean things. And my point is I'm going to try and be hurtful. Tell me what are a few things I could say. So I don't want to come out of the blue with, you know, things that might actually hurt the kid. I want the kid to tell me, here's what my brother says to me that really hurts me. And, okay, those are the things I'm going to say directly back rather than, you know, I don't want to actually hurt the child by right. saying something that right, they hadn't right, right. thought of. <laughs> um, and so then I'm going to say those things and watch the kid do it. And it's actually amazing when kids like get the hang of it. They feel so in control. They feel like they've outsmarted that smart brother. Oh, yes. You know, like I have a tool against you and you don't even know it. Um, and so and then to have them realize that did it go away? Did it work? And if it works, that'll help them remember to do it next time. And sometimes a parent can also, in the middle of an incident, have like a signal to the kid where I might just come over and tap you on the head or I might, um, you know, uh, ring the bell or something where it reminds you, oh, yes, I'm supposed to be ignoring it. Because even as a parent, I wrote the book and sometimes I'm engaging my kids when they're complaining or negotiating. And then all of a sudden I'm like, what am I doing? No, I ignoring it and you can start ignoring it right then just because you didn't start or you didn't do it this time doesn't you can't do it next time and so it's nice for a parent to have some kind of tool or sign that they can help the kid without getting involved but just to help that kid remember you're supposed to be doing ignore it excellent that was really helpful and i like this the sign to do in the middle if it's if it's happening um and it's a little sign of encouragement and you know, it, it, it actually acknowledges that you understand what this child is going through at that particular time and that you believe in them and that, you know, they can they can do this. You have faith in them. So I like that. So and I think empathy is is super important. I mean, we have to let our kids know that we understand that this is very hard and that they sometimes feel sad and we have to validate their feelings. I mean, that's really important. I remember when I was when I was younger and my brother 
<laughs> used to get my goat by telling me to uh, get get up, get him a sandwich, uh, make me a iced tea. He used to like just you know, just give me a laundry list of things he wanted me to do, and it, it used to drive me crazy. Until one day, I just got up and did it. <laughs> And I brought and I made him a grilled cheese sandwich and I made him I made him an iced tea and I brought it to him. He's like, you didn't have to do that. It was the last time he ever did. But it was just that's so so funny. funny. It has nothing to do with ignore it, really. But it was just like going in a complete opposite, unanticipated direction, which I think ignore it certainly does where, you know, there's a a child who believes and knows that typically every time he does that behavior, this is the response he gets. And then all of a sudden not getting that response. So it's a, it's a great, a great idea. And I would imagine that uh, would cause some frustration at first, but I can also imagine that it helps to squelch the behavior over time. Interesting thing about the story you just told is that you resolved it, you figured it out. And so what if you got him the sandwich? You know, like a lot of times parents would intervene before you even got to that point or would admonish you like, don't do that. If he's so lazy, he doesn't want to get up. Don't do it for him. Or, you know, he's just getting your goat or whatever it is. We would get involved in that whole scenario because it used to be that parent that kids had a lot more alone time. You know, they had more time to kind of figure this stuff out. Parents are watching their kids all the time. They're listening. They're part of the conversation in ways that our parents really weren't. And unfortunately, they get involved in those situations where the kids might have found an amicable solution. Might not have been the solution I would have picked. I would have thought, you know, that sibling maybe shouldn't have to do that for you or um, you're taking advantage and that's not fair. Um, so as a parent, I might have gotten involved. But the thing is, it's what worked out so beautifully is you didn't care. You just did it. And that was the end of it. Right. It was. It just is. <laughs> I think it's it's just doing the unanticipated behavior. And the and it wasn't the desired behavior. My brother did not want me to get him a sandwich. <laughs> He wanted me to, you know, to get frustrated and to, to start yelling and, you know, like, sure that, yeah. So he liked to get, you know, get my goat sometimes. So, so let's say that two kids have to go brush their teeth, and each time they go and do this in the same bathroom, the parent knows for sure that the kids are going to start fighting. One's going to annoy them, the other, and the other's going to yell. And everyone is going to get irritated, and this is no fun. So imagine that these kids are sitting in front of you, or perhaps you do it one at a time. What would you specifically say to your child, maybe the one who's constantly pestering, or the one who is really getting irritated all the time, to help them sort of de-stress and deal with the annoying sibling in, in a better way, what would you actually say to the child? Yeah, so two things. One is I would hold both kids accountable, even though I may know that there's one culprit who's really causing the problem. I'm going to hold them both accountable because as soon as I pick one over the other, it just, again, yeah. intensifies and reiterates the same problem. And the second thing is I'd like to set something up before we go in the bathroom that helps them work together as a team to accomplish something 
desirable that they wanted. So I want to give them some incentive. So I want to think of something preventative. So what is it that they want? They want, you know, uh, for younger kids, like two stories instead of one or um, to earn something for the next day, like, um, you know, a special cereal or a extra YouTube video or whatever it works in your house, mm-hmm. depending on the age of your kids. It could even be just like points for um, some kind of a reward system. But kids can get on board with each other, with their siblings so much more when they're working together to earn something that they really want. And they don't want to mess that up. So even though my sibling is driving me crazy, is a pig at the sink and making a mess and, you know, not letting me in and taking the cup from me and all these things, I'm not going to say anything because I want that point. So that's okay. That's a, that is a reasonable resolution. And sometimes the, the sibling who's making a mess might stop. Or other times they might not because they might not even realize that they're the problem. But regardless, the situation is resolved. So I think that sometimes parents need to think of the opposite of sort of ignoring and the opposite of providing this unwanted attention for the negative behaviors and to really start providing positive attention for the behaviors that we want. And some ways to do that is with a reward chart or even just every time you see them acting nicely even in the smallest way, give them a compliment. Or every time you see the one who doesn't really like to compromise, every time you see that one compromise, like really make a note of it. Um, like I noticed I really wanted my kids to do chores around the house and I wasn't really saying anything to them when they did it. But I realized I'm so thrilled. I'm truly honestly thrilled when they walk the dog and empty the dishwasher that I really needed to let them know that that meant something to me and not take it for granted. And then they would want to do it more because they could see how much it means to me. Mm -hmm. And so I think the same is true. We need to catch our kids being nice to each other, having good moments and really praising that instead of spending all of our time and attention on when they're fighting that's asking for our attention they want our attention let's give it to them but let's give it to them when they're doing something positive and so that's what i would try and do i would try and work it out and then honestly there are some situations where it's just not gonna work for the kids to brush their teeth at the same time mm-hmm. it's just not and we need to have a different situation maybe we rotate who goes in first maybe the older kid gets to have 30 minutes you know later bedtime and that resolves the issue um, sometimes there's another way around it for like the big high conflict situations rather than just trying to keep muddling through it. Mm-hmm. Good point. Good point. And, and kids need to know that you're on their side and you're there to sort of brainstorm with them. I think it's true though, that when kids know that they're kind of a team and that if they, you know, both are able to whatever it is, brush their teeth in the same room together and without a a fight, or they're able to watch TV together and both decide on the same program or whatever it might be, that when they are able to do that, they get some kind of acknowledgement from you, which is what they want so much of the time, and that they feel like somebody has noticed and then they want more of it. So that makes sense to me and I think that's a good a good system. With my children, they have a, a marble jar and once if they're doing something that is highly desirable without me needing to prompt them in any way, that's a five out of five and that's they they can get a marble that goes in the jar and once they get a certain number of marbles, they're able to do something special, whatever it might be. Because for me, I want to make sure 
that I'm highlighting those really desired behaviors, whether it's cleaning up, you know, a mess that was made in the kitchen without me needing to say anything, or it's going out of your way to be kind to your brother and help them or kind to your sister and help out and coming running out and saying, mom, do you need help with the groceries without any prompting? All of those things are really highly desired behaviors. And what I find is anytime that they are highly praised for those, that is the first thing they will do that day. They want to do that behavior. Yeah. And you know, unfortunately, and I think that's so true. And I think a lot of parents want to do that, but they're exhausted. They're a little bit beaten down from life of whether it's working or being home with the kids and struggling with discipline and eating issues and sleeping issues. And they're spending all their time and energy managing all of these misbehaviors and negative times that they're actually missing this golden opportunity. And in some ways, they don't feel like praising their kids. They're so angry. They're upset. They're tired. They they just have no more to give. And they really need a push to, to do it. Um, because I think most kids really do respond extremely well to positive attention, um, to reward systems, to even just saying, hey, good job, high five, um, I'm so proud of you, thank you for doing that. All of those things are actually really meaningful for most kids. Um, and again, if they can't get it the good way, they're going to get it the not so good way um, by harassing and um, you know, whining, complaining, negotiating, and picking on siblings. If we could be frank, though, of course, when parents, it's not just the, the, behave, the behavior that's coming from, you know, from nowhere that's irritating. It's the behavior that they keep doing over and over again every day in the bathroom, every day in the kitchen, every day. It gets really frustrating because you know as a parent, you're like, I've already said this. Like, I've already addressed this. And it gets very frustrating to have to constantly deal with the same problem over and over again. So I guess, you know, when you're, you feel like you're constantly saying the same thing, ignore it. You're always like, wait a second, I need a tactic to do something, but I guess that it's really a tactic to not do something. Well, there's a couple things. I mean, one is obviously I want parents to stop reinforcing the negative behavior and start reinforcing the positive behaviors that they want to see. And that's really what Ignore It's all about. But I also really try and teach parents how to use consequences instead of, you know, asking a million times, have you done this? Could you do this? Empty the dishwasher, empty the dishwasher and dealing with an argument. Can I do it later? Can I do it in five minutes? Like, you know, all the things that go on when we ask our kids to do stuff. Um, either we get in an argument or we end up doing it ourselves, and both things are very unpleasant. Um, but what parents really have to do is set up, here's the expectation, here's the consequence, and here's what will happen if you don't do it. And so, and that's it. Now I've asked you, you know the consequence, that's that's it. But a lot of times parents don't follow through with the consequence, again, because they're tired and a little beaten down. And so I like to give parents a variety of tools. One is, you know, again, with the expectations and the consequences, ignoring all the annoying behavior, set up the reward charts. You know, I think that most parents, they want to fix their situation. They're desperate to fix their situation, but they don't necessarily have the tools. And so I try and ignore it to, um, you know, kind of review all the things that I would do with parents when I would come in the home and um, give them a bunch of tools that would help them, including, you know, allowing for natural consequences. Like, I'm not going to beg you to do your homework. If you don't do it, that's on you. You're in middle school and you're going to get a bad grade and you're not going to get into the class that you wanted or you won't be able to play basketball anymore because your grade point average is too low or whatever it is um, to help parents be able to 
have some tools that they can follow through on that are pretty simple to implement that can change behavior. Right, right, absolutely. Would you mind going through some of the consequences that you find would be appropriate in these kinds of circumstances? For example, the one that you just put. So, you know, you you don't do the dishwasher. And uh, so this is what's going to happen and and how you would talk to your child about it when you're requesting they do it. So I would say um, it's your job to empty the dishwasher before dinner. If it's not done by dinner, then you're also responsible for doing the dishes, like the dinner dishes. Like you have to mm-hmm. empty the dishwasher and do the dinner dishes. It, but if the dishwasher is empty, then I'm happy to do the dinner dishes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so kids have to know, for example, um, you need to put your shoes on right now. We're leaving the house. If you don't put your shoes on, I'm going to take you to school without shoes mm-hmm. or I'm going to pick your shoes for you. I mean, that's a lot of uh, kids struggling about what should I wear today? I don't like that outfit. I don't like this outfit. Okay, you have five minutes to pick an outfit. If you don't pick an outfit, I will pick one and we're going to school. And that that might mean a very horrible morning for that parent and child. There will be a lot of complaining and tantruming um, and anger. Um, and that's where ignore it comes in. But but once the kid gets to that consequence, it's unpleasant. And then they realize the next time you say empty the dishwasher or pick out your clothing, they're like, oh, yeah, I really didn't enjoy what that consequence was. So I'm going to do it for my um, and I also think it really depends on what's meaningful for your kid in terms of what works as a consequence. So for me, you know, when my kids were little, my daughter loved books at night and that was something we could take away. So if you don't brush your teeth by eight o'clock, you will, there will be no stories. Mm-hmm. So that ended a lot of the dawdling and running around the house, not getting her pajamas on because she wanted the stories. But of course we have to have one time where she doesn't get the story sure. so that she, she gets the, the, you know, the whole point. I remember my husband saying to me, I don't think that's a really good consequence because you know, it's educational and we shouldn't take away her books. I'm like, I promise you, she's still going to go off and be a successful adult. If we take away her books one night, you know, <laughs> For her, that was like the most meaningful mm-hmm. thing um, for her taking away sweets and dessert was also meaningful. So if I knew we were going out for, let's say, Japanese steakhouse and they always have ice cream and it's somebody's birthday, um, I have something I can take away that day. Mm-hmm. Um, so that could be my consequence. I try and make the consequences relate to right. um, what we're asking them to do. Sometimes it makes sense. Sometimes it doesn't. Um but to try and have them meaningful for the kid, that's the most important thing. And then yes. it's oh, hard then to do it sometimes. So, oh, it's so hard. And a lot of times I don't want to deal with the unpleasant behavior sure. come when I put this consequence in. So when that's the case, I tell parents, don't bother. So if you're not prepared to put the consequence in for a variety of reasons, we've all been there, then just clean up that day. Like, don't tell your kids to clean up. You just do it. Because if you tell them to do it and then they don't do it and then you do it, that's really bad because mm. they've learned they really don't have to do it. But if you don't even say anything at all and you just do it, nobody cares. It's like, it's a win. You don't have to stress yourself that day. It's just if you say do it and then this is the consequence, you've really got to follow through with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I remember I had, I was getting annoyed with the kids um, going back and forth as who was going to hold the TV clicker at one point. Mm-hmm. This was like a big control thing. Not that they were touching the, they were actually using the clicker because we were watching a movie at the time. But I seem to remember that they were fighting with each other about who was going to hold the clicker. Well, I had already set up if they were going to fight over the clicker that we were not going to be able to watch the movie. 
So in the middle of the movie, my daughter got up to go to the bathroom. My son took the clicker that she had been holding and they came back and they started fighting of it. And I had to turn off the movie. Very hard to do. I have to say. Yeah. And then you got the, oh, can we earn it back? That's a big thing with my kids. Can we earn it back? Nope. Sorry. That was the, the consequence. Stinks for all of us, by the way. I am not happy about it. I was watching that movie, but that's what we said was going to happen. So that's what we're doing. And I tell you, we now, <laughs> I said, next time you may want to come up with a system of who's going to hold the clicker and let's be done with it. And we have not had an issue with it yet. <laughs> so, you know, it, they really do not like unpleasant consequences. And it stinks to have to follow through sometimes with them. Well, I think also the mistake a lot of parents make is they take away the clicker and then they do allow the opportunity. Okay, we'll be good now. Oh, yes. We won't do it anymore. Oh, sure. Okay, fine. And put the movie back on. And that is the worst thing. You have to let them have that moment of like it's so stinky. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's, it's really bad for all of us. Yeah. But it's like one moment of pain can solve like a lifetime of pain if you just follow through yeah. to the bitter end. And I really have parents try very hard to resist giving in after they've already taken it away or said no. Yeah. Um, you know, to be thoughtful about what your consequence is. But once you put it in, you got to follow through. You've got to follow through. Yeah. Oh, that is so true. Well, out of everything that we've talked about today or anything that we even haven't, what would you say is your top tip, your very top tip to making sure that siblings get along together and that they're not fighting all the time? Oh, I would say the number one thing is to stay out of it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, to really give kids a chance to use their tools. If they need help with the tools, then give it to them when they're not fighting. But try as much as you can to... Um, stay out of it because there's really very little good that comes out of it. But then if you do have to get involved, you hold everybody accountable. So I'm not going to decide who stole the clicker or who touched who first or who started the argument. If I have to get involved, everybody's getting the punishment. Mm. Woo. Yes. <laughs> Strict in the Perlman house at this point. We've got to make sure we're following the rules. And I, I tell you, it's, it's, I, I appreciate that kind of pairing, parenting so much. Even though it's challenging, it really is a great way of going about it because then the kids know where the line is, right? They're, they don't have to test it anymore because they know the boundaries, they know the limits, and they know the rules. And kids actually feel much more comfortable that way. I, I absolutely agree. But I do want to say one thing is that every parent makes mistakes. I make absolutely. mistakes. I get involved when I shouldn't. I say no and then I say yes. I do all the things. Yep. I just, when a situation doesn't go well, at least I can lay in bed that night and say, where did I go wrong mm -hmm. and what am I going to do differently tomorrow? Or our kids change and develop and things that weren't a problem when they were little or at a certain age now become a problem and we get caught in a rut without actually taking the time to implement a new tool or do something differently. And so believe me, I have my moments. I, I, I think my kids get along actually very, very well, but at times they, they fight at times I falter, you know, but then I just, the next day I start all over again. And I just don't want people to think like, Oh yeah, there's perfect parents oh, out there. Goodness, Nobody no. is a perfect parent. 
No, I always say parenting is the ultimate do-over and my children do do bicker um, and we are working on it. And I am going to talk to them about this. Um, absolutely. Because I think it is, it is vitally important for everybody's sanity. Yes, we all make mistakes. Absolutely. It's never lost on me when I, you know, start to feel myself getting stressed out and my voice starts to raise and I'm actually talking about not raising your voice or yelling. That right. irony is not lost on me. Um, so, <laughs> you know, so I get it and I do it. I, I do it quite a bit. I make a lot of mistakes myself. So that's why it's great to be talking to you and to other experts to make sure that we're pooling our resources and we understand the best methods for, for all of these different things. And speaking of resources, what is the resource of the week? Where would you like us to go? What would you like us to do to find out more about you and your great work on Ignore It? Um, you can really find out more about me and my book and um, my column and the services I provide at thefamilycoach.com. And same thing of finding me on Facebook and Twitter at The Family Coach. Perfect. I just want to say I really appreciate all of the time you spent with us today and for giving us these tools and really breaking things down for us. Ignore it sometimes feels very disempowering because you, you feel like you're not doing anything, but you really are. You are doing something. You're recalibrating the system. You are getting into a place in your head where you're staying relaxed. You're breathing and you're putting yourself in a, in a nice place and you're thinking about what life might be like five minutes from now or a day from now once things are maybe not as intense. Yes. So I just want to say thank you for joining us. And I just loved what you said today about making sure that we ignore the behavior that we don't want and we don't reward the behavior through negative or positive statements or behavior that we definitely don't want. I think this is important information, and we will certainly be seeking out your book. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed talking with you. I enjoyed talking with you, too, and I hope we can do it more. So I have got my takeaways, and sweet friends, I know you have yours. Let's discuss them. Come up on Facebook. Let's go to the Dr. Robin Silverman page, or let's chat about it at drrobinsilverman.com or twitter.com slash drrobin. And if you love this podcast like I did, I hope you'll go up to iTunes and rate and review it so that other people can find out more about Catherine and her book, Ignore It, and all the tactics that she has told us about today that are certainly going to impact our lives and our families. That's all the time we have for today, my fellow parents, leaders, and educators. Thank you so much for tuning in to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com. So many great podcasts and show notes up there. I look forward to weathering the storms and enjoying the sunny side of life together. And please remember, even on the days when you fall short, you've got this. We are all like that. We all have our days. You're getting the information you need. I know it's not always easy, but never forget there's always tomorrow. As we said, parenting is the ultimate do-over. I see you. I'm right there with you. And as there are moments when we doubt our know-how, our choices, and our sweet sanity, please know you are 10 times the parent you think you are. Until next time, this is Dr. Robin Silverman with How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Please tune in again and keep connecting through conversation. See you next week. You've been listening to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman. 
For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com.